This is your Places Call. You're listening to Theatrical Thoughts. I'm Emily Wyra. And I'm Jessica Fight. And today we are joined by Broadway's Annalise Scarpacci. Annalise will be taking the stage as Lydia Hillard in Doubtfire when it comes to Broadway this October. Annalise, we are so thrilled to have you on. How's it going today? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me. We are so stoked. I know that we've been talking about having you on for a while. It's so exciting to finally get to talk to you. Yeah, I'm so excited to get started. All right, so we usually open our show with, we talked about this before we went on air, but we open our show with a 60 second life story segment. Like We like to scare our guests when, we, when they first come on. Um, of course. Hold up my good old iPhone timer and 60 seconds, just your whole life. Okay, <laughs> ready here we go. go. I'm You're ready, ready. <laughs> let's do it. All right. Okay, I'm Annalise Scarpacci. I'm born and raised in Staten Island, New York. I was in A Christmas Story, the musical, uh, Godspell cast of 2032, Matilda the Musical on Broadway and First National Tour as Hortensia and Alice. And now I'm in Mrs. Doubtfire as Lydia Hillard and um, not currently because I'm sitting on my couch during a pandemic. Um, I'm in June, I'm gonna be a senior at Pace University in the musical theater program next year. Um, let's see, I have had Crohn's disease since I was 10 years old. Um, I've been in remission for five years, yay! And oh, I'm doing great on time. What can I say? Oh, I write my own songs. I play guitar. I play bass, ukulele. Um, I'm coming out with an EP at the end of this year. Um, I'm turning 22 in October. I'm a Scorpio with a Cancer Moon and a Sagittarius rising, and I am a proud Italian American. And I love the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> That, that was, was amazing. Epic. That was epic. I just have to start off by saying that my brother has Crohn's disease and he's had it for five years, like five, almost six years. So wow. you said that. I was like, oh my God. I, I think I knew that about you, but I forgot. Yeah, it's been a trip, honestly. Crohn's disease is, you know, I, I have to say it's kind of weird because I have met so many people because I've had Crohn's and I don't know what I would do without those people in my life. So I kind of, it's like a, not that I'm happy that I have Crohn's, but I'm happy that I met the people along my Crohn's journey. I don't know if your brother would agree with me um, by saying like, cause my doctors have been completely advocates and role models for me throughout my life. So it's, I wouldn't be where I am today without them at all. That's incredible. Yeah. Again, just, I love that you're turning that into a good thing. That's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, you have to, you have to be positive about your experience, especially like when I was 10, I was so sick. It was just, I, you could see right through me and it was just the point of as soon as I hit remission, I was just very like balls to the walls. Let's go. I'm ready for this. And I have never forgotten. I'm always taking care of myself and always trying to be positive. And I was never that type of person who wanted to be, wanted to be defined by the fact that I have this illness that doesn't go away. And I also never wanted to call it a condition. Like everybody's like, oh, you have a condition. No, I have a disease. And it's a disease that doesn't go away, but it's okay because it's made me who I am. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's incredible. That's an inspiring outlook. And I think that's fantastic. So now you, you were working from a really young age and you were battling this disease. And yes. how did that come about? How did you balance that all? You know, it was kind of crazy because I... Well, I'll start from the very beginning. I was a ballerina first. That was my first love. Ballet was my everything. And uh, I did acting. I, when, when I was, um, I started dancing when I was two, ballet. And then when I was around five years old, I asked my mom if she could put me in acting lessons. I saw that a bunch of kids from my school were at this, um, it was called the Actress Workshop, which is where I ended up studying for the next seven years of my life. And the Actors Workshop was a place where it was a community theater for kids and it was amazing and I had so much fun, but I really wanted to be there so that I could improve my acting skills while I did ballet. And I ended up falling in love with musicals while I was there. And then when I was nine, I went to go see Billy Elliot and I, that was it. 
that was the end of the road for me. I wanted to audition for School of American Ballet, but instead I walked out and I was like, I'm auditioning for Billy Elliot. I want to be in that show. I want to be an actor for a living. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I'm never turning back. And it was kind of like a weird moment for me. And I, it was just kind of, you know, that those moments when you just know it's right. You just know it's so right for you. And that's what I felt like seeing Billy. And I turned to my parents in the middle of the show at intermission. And I said, this is what I'm doing. Um, and I looked in the playbill and I looked at the girls' bios and I found a manager in a bio of a random cast member of Billy Elliot and I sent my information and ironically the woman wanted to meet with me and she signed me and the next day she sent me on my first audition for Billy Elliot and I had an anxiety attack and in the room because I was not a tapper I had never taken a tap class in my life but of course they start and they're like a five a six a seven eight and a one a two and three and four a five six and they're like going quickly and I have no idea what a shuffle pickup is. Like, what am I supposed to know about that? I only know Tambe Padre. And I was just, I panicked in front of the entire creative team of Billy Elliot. I broke down in tears, ran out of the room and went right to the bathroom and symptoms ensued at my very first audition. And I didn't know what to do. I don't mean to be graphic, but there was blood and, um, but we'll be real. And I thought it was tomato sauce. So um, yeah, my dad was concerned and I, you know, I thought it was tomato sauce. I was like, oh, look, there's tomato sauce in, it, in there. But um, yeah, no, it wasn't. But, you know, it was, it was kind of, it was hard because I was going through this time where, you know, not a lot of nine, nine-year-old kids going through this illness that's eating them alive. And literally you're losing so much blood. You're getting, you're weaker every five seconds of every day. And I have been gluten-free and dairy-free my entire life as of when I was diagnosed. And when I was little, there were, I mean, think about it. It's 11 years now that I've been, since I've been diagnosed. Um, and it's kind of weird because now you could go to a restaurant and you can get gluten-free pasta. You can have gluten-free options. They have vegan options. Think about it 10, 11 years ago, they had nothing. So I had to go to a health food store and get my pretzels. I had to go to a health food store and get at least something and they tasted awful. And now as an Italian, I was losing it. I couldn't have tomato sauce. I'd be having broccoli with my pasta that tasted like cardboard. And it was just, it was a very big learning curve. But my doctors, were really, really great. My doctors at New York Presbyterian, they are amazing. And my doctor's daughter does theater. And she was like, the first moment that she met me, she said, you are not going to stop doing what you're doing no matter what. You are not gonna let this illness stop you. And I listened to her and I don't know if either of you know who Chelsea Stock is. She was um, in The Little Mermaid. And she was Ariel, and she also has Crohn's. She was diagnosed when she was 16. And I read, um, I received an article of like a, a newsletter in the mail from one of like an IUD newsletter for kids. And on the front page, it was an article of Chelsea and her story and how she was on Broadway. And I remember reading that article and I was about 11 and I was just put on my medication for the very first time. I had just come home from my first uh, treatment for IV. And I'll never forget reading that article and she was on the same medication as me. And I said, mom, I can do it. I can do this. If she can do it, I can do it. And I, I did three years later, I got the, I got the Broadway debut. Okay. I, that is incredible. That's so inspiring. And I, I give you so much credit. That's, and especially at such a young age to sort of go through and have that outlook. And I mean, you're now carrying that still. That's really, wow. <laughs> like no words, no words. So you are auditioning through this process, I'm assuming, and kind of going through that. And then yes. the story. Mm -hmm. kind of what were those couple years like? And then booking that first gig, like I'm sure that that must've been a wave of emotions after all you'd been through. <laughs> it was so much. I mean, I had 
I had been to the finals. I, it was kind of like every show I went into, I was, I was very lucky to have made it to the finals for a majority of the things. And throughout that time, not so much now, but for Broadway kind of, but Broadway was going through a kid phase, big kid phase when I was that age. And I'm very lucky to have been a part of that Broadway community as a kid. And it was just going through a bunch of different shows for kids. I mean, around that time, it was, we had Annie, we had Matilda, we had A Christmas Story, Kinky Boots, Lion King had been around for a million years. Um, we had a lot, a lot, a lot of kids. Oh, Mary Poppins too, Mary Poppins kids. It was crazy. There were just so many kids on Broadway and it was amazing. And when I had, I had done Godspell cast of 2032, May of 2012, actually two, May 22nd, 2012. And um, 2012, 2012, that's not right. But yeah, I did Godspell cast of 2032 and that was unbelievable. And it was basically like this opening. And I said, you know, this is the first time I'm ever gonna be on a Broadway stage. I don't even know if I'll ever be on a Broadway stage again, but I know that I've had this moment. And I know that I had this moment to just be myself and to be me and to just live my life. I made the dream if this never happens again, I'm fine with it. And then I was in the seventh grade and I went on an open call. Godspell was an open call as well. And I was going to dance class around June, a month after Godspell. And they were having an open call for Christmas Story. And I decided not to wait for my manager to get an appointment for me. I said, I'm in the city, I might as well go in. I had my book in the car, I bought a pair of sneakers at a store on 8th Avenue, and I went to the audition. And they happened to really like me. They, the casting director came out and introduced uh, herself to my mom. And they said, we're gonna have her come back in on Tuesday or whatever day it was. And every day I was in callbacks the whole week. And in the end, they were kind of, it was kind of weird. Like managers never got appointments and I didn't have an agent at the time. I only had a manager. So if I never went on that open call, I would have never gotten in that show. It's kind of nuts. But I booked the show. I was in callbacks for about two weeks, singing, dancing, every go in this room, read for John Rando in this room, sing for Pasek and Paul in this room, go with Warren Carlyle in this one. And then we're just all like been rotating in different rooms with a bunch of different kids. And I, Found it, I got the role about two weeks later. I was a mess, complete mess. I just, it was kind of that thing where you don't even realize that it's real. But I remember the first thing that I did was in 2012, um, my family went through a rough time. We lost two very important people close to me, my two aunts and, and my principal from my school. She had passed away. And I'll never forget going over to my fridge, the corner of my fridge, we had like pictures of them of their mass cards. And I went over to them and I was like, I hope you're proud of me. And it was like the silliest thing ever. But like, I will always remember my 12 year old self running over to the fridge, just looking at them and I hope you're proud of me. And I still hope that they're proud of me. I, I mean, yeah, I just, I always, I always hope that they're proud of me and I know that they're watching with me, but yeah. It was, Christmas Story was just a dream come true. It's everything that you'd expect your Broadway debut to be. It's just, I always say it all the time. It's a magical, magical experience. And it really just, it was just everything. It's everything you ever wished for. That's what it, that whole show was. I made my best friends. My friend, Jack, we, he came to my senior prom with me. Um, we made a pact when we were in a Christmas Story. We said if we didn't have dates for each other's prom that we'd go together. And I didn't have a date for mine, so we came. And that's that sums up my relationship with everyone in a Christmas story. One big family. That's amazing. Oh my God. That just like made my day. I know, right? <laughs> I, I they definitely are proud of you. How could you not be? <laughs> I mean, you're that's my heart. <laughs> so I guess I mean you're 12 years old at the time, right? And you're in rooms with like Pasek and Paul Cash. Was your 12 year old self like aware of the caliber of this? No. You know, I was more, more excited to be in a room with, with uh, Dan Loria than I was with anyone else. Like, because Dan Loria was in the Wonder Years and my parents used to watch that show. That's 
only person I was really excited about. I mean, I guess I was like over the moon excited about Warren. I mean, when you're 12, you don't really know like individuals. And also this was Pasek and Paul's Broadway debut. Like this was pre-Evan Hansen. I mean, I get to say that I worked with Pasek and Paul before they like blew up, blew up, blew up. But it's kind of nuts. It was kind of nuts that I, and I'll tell you a funny story. So when we did, we were nominated for a Tony, which is unheard of for a holiday show to be nominated for a Tony award. And we're there at the Tonys rehearsing for the opening number. And I see this man sitting in the corner of the room and he's typing furiously. I say to myself, I'm like, wow, this man seems really important. It's Lin-Manuel Miranda, like in the corner. <laughs> he, wrote, he, wrote he wrote the opening number with Tom Kitt. And the two of them were sitting in the corner of the room writing the opening number. And I'm sitting there with Neil Patrick Harris. As Neil Patrick Harris is rehearsing with us, and we're like going like this with our heads. And there's Lynn and Tom Kitt on the floor. And I was like, wow, these people seem really important. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Nah, not really. <laughs> not that important. We're rehearsing in Radio City. It's not that important. They're not that important, but all right. That's yep. insane. It's insane, right? It's weird. My whole life is so weird. <laughs> I would argue it's pretty cool too, but you know. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, I, think, I think everything that's ever happened to me is the weirdest thing. It's just, it's just strange in a good way it's just like how did this how did this occur i'll never know i mean you go to an open call you book a broadway show and suddenly you're in a room with Lynn Miranda, and tom kitt neil patrick harris casually i guess tuesday afternoon you know neil was that was a crazy night when you're like live tv but for theater is like i, I can't really explain it it's kind of kind of like the horse races but if they like took a bunch of sugar pills like <laughs> if they like just jacked themselves up with sugar that's what live tv for the tonys is like they couldn't find neil's dresser for the first five minutes before the show and they were freaking out turns out she was on the phone or something but he needed the dresser it was kind of a madhouse it was nuts i loved it <laughs> that's insane that's so cool were you like freaking out at that point? Like, were you super anxious before going on or were, were you like, oh, this is totally chill? <laughs> I was just so, it was kind of like an out of body experience for me. I was just so elated and excited. I was just, I was high on life. I was, I was standing backstage with the drag queens from Kinky Boots and the people from Bring It On, like Taylor Louderman is standing next to me. But at that point, she wasn't really that famous either. But we were, because we had shut down, we had closed because we were just a holiday and Bring It On had closed. We were both nominated. We shared a dressing room upstairs at Radio City with the cast of Bring It On. So we were literally with Adrian Warren and Taylor Louderman as like 12 and 13 year olds in, and little, I was 12, but they were like, you know, next to me having whole conversations with me, but like they weren't really that famous yet. It was their, their first thing. It was nuts. We were all just kind of like their Broadway de our Broadway debuts. First time at the Tony. That's insane. Crazy. That's all I can say. It really was. Damn. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's, that, no words. That's so wild. And yeah. like, Right before, and that was like a couple of years before all of these huge people became like. I mean, now add Tony nominations and and etc. <laughs> Literally. So now you're mentioning at this point, like, yeah, we we talked a little bit. Like Broadway was kind of high on kids for a hot sec there. What was yeah. it like being a part of that whole scene? Like you were you were a part of that spike, that whole community. What was it like to be one of the like the Broadway kids at that point? kind of surreal it was weird it was I mean I say that word all the time it was weird because I mean now that we're all grown up it's interesting to see the different paths in life that we've made and it's very very interesting like my my best friends are friends from Matilda and friends from A Christmas Story like those are my friends they're my family 
and to grow up with them so that like my parents so my parents um they were neighbors they lived across the street from each other so, and they have like a bunch of um friends from the block and so I call my friends from Matilda and my friends from A Christmas Story my friends from the block but it's kind of like those are those are my friends that I grew up with and it's amazing of the journeys that we've taken throughout our lives over the past I made my debut almost what is it nine years ago weird it's crazy and um now that I've known them for I've known them for half my life and more than half sometimes and um it's nice and it was we used to go to the park together all the kids in the shows every Saturday matinee when it was springtime we'd go the Annie girls kinky boots kids pop-ins we'd all be at the park Violet um Emerson and Emma used to come to the park after Emma had left left Matilda to do Violet um it was really unforgettable I'll I'll never forget those times at that park. We used to swing. And like a couple of years ago, we went back, my friends, Ava and Mitchell and Frenny, we all went back to the park and we were like swinging on the swings being idiots. But it was so, it's just so thrilling. Like we had such a fun childhood. Like that was our childhood. Like people don't really get that when you're a kid on Broadway of like how close knit you really are. You grow up with these people. You grow up together, no matter what show you're in, you know, you grow up with them. And it's kind of like doing community theater, but on a different scale and you're doing different shows at one time at one theater company. It's kind of like that. That's just amazing. I mean, Emily and I always say that theater is just a community and- It is. Yeah. So now talking about Matilda, that was the next show you were in. Tell us about that experience. Oh man, Matilda. Matilda, I laugh at Matilda all the time. That show is fully ingrained. If you would like me to do an entire production from start to finish, name a track, I can do it. And that describes Matilda the musical for you. I mean, you could ask anybody in that cast to pick a track right now and do it if like their life depended on it and they'll be able to do it from start to finish without making a mistake. I'm not even kidding. And that describes Matilda right for you. That I mean, Matilda was basically my training for my adult life, especially as a dancer. I was, I mean, I told you before, I was a dancer first. That was my love. I loved dancing. And my goal was to work with Peter Darling, if not in Billy Elliot. I mean, he hired me after I had an anxiety attack right in front of his eyes. And he remembered when, I, when he hired me four years later. And it was kind of, I, I won. Once I got Matilda, I was like, wow, I got what I wanted. I got to work with Peter. And even though it's not tapping, which has now become my favorite thing other than like regular jazz dance. Ballet is like my, my least favorite at this moment, which is kind of nuts. Um, but it goes tap, theater, and then ballet. But um, I love them all, but you know, I'm partial to tap. But Matilda was very, it was just training. It's exactly like it was boot camp for me. It was kind of like being, we were all treated like adults and we were all treated the same. We were all treated equally and especially to the adults. And it was just a really incredible experience getting to be a swing and getting to know, to always just be prepared at all times. I'm actually the only swing in Matilda history who's never been on mid show, but I was always I was always backstage and memorizing and like trying to think of things like what happens if this happens, what happens if this happens, and if the track doesn't come at the right place, where do you stand when you do? I was always moving and thinking. And one about a year into my run, I got a little bored because I was in high school at the time and I didn't have work to do in the summer. And I decided to learn every track in the show just to exercise my brain because I wanted to, I was, I always wanted to be a dance captain. And I knew that if I wanted to be a dance captain that I had to start now. <laughs> I was 15, I was like, I have to start right now. Cause if in three years I'm gonna be 18 and if I'm gonna come back in the show and be a dance captain, like this is what I wanna do. And I memorized every track in the show and that's what I did. And like, they never, I told them about it. I was like, I want you to know that I memorized all the 
all the kids, I know all the kids and I'm starting to memorize the adults too. And they were like, good for you. Like exercise that brain. And we used to have swing rehearsals and they would let me swing and do the other kids parts. And it was so funny, but it was a really great learning experience for me. I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. I made the best of friends. The people that I worked with were incredible. Um, and it's kind of a full circle moment because Travis, who played my dad once a week when I was Alec, no, when I was Hortensia and Matilda on Broadway, uh, now he's our dance captain for Mrs. Doubtfire. So it's kind of a full circle moment. And now he gets to, he really got to see me grow up, which is amazing. And I love him with all of my heart. Oh, we love a good full circle moment. Yeah. I have to know, since you learned every single track, which one was your favorite? My favorite? You actually cover it. What was your favorite track that you learned? My favorite track that I learned overall, kids and adults, the acrobat. My favorite track, I love. I yeah, played the acrobat in, in really? a few years ago. Oh my God, the acrobat. Oh my stunning. I That's my dream to play the acrobat or to play um, Mrs. Wormwood. I also memorized her track. <laughs> just thinking they would like a 15 year old Mrs. Wormwood in case, just in case. Um, but I loved the acrobat out of adults and kids. That was my favorite. Um, actually one of our press events, I was 15. It was kind of later towards my run. They didn't have enough adults for this specific press event. And they asked me to be an adult. And I, when I tell you, I bawled my eyeballs. <laughs> I literally started sobbing and they were like, are you okay? I was like, I finally get to be an adult. <laughs> It was great. It was, I had so much fun, but it was so funny because of course there was everyone that was just so much taller than me and then me for 11. But it was, it was the beauty of Matilda. It was really great. I loved it. I'd say out of the tracks that I covered, Alice and Hortensia have really similar tracks, but I did have a soft spot for Alice. Always did. I don't know why. She seemed misunderstood to me. <laughs> I loved her. I just, I just, you're sitting at 15 and you know every track in a show. I can't get over that, man. Like, come on. <laughs> Emily, what were we doing at 15? Nothing like this. I mean, nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, I will say, I will say that's one thing about myself that I, I never, I love to learn. It's kind of like, it's my favorite thing. And it's kind of weird because with school that I've had so much time to really delve into school this pandemic, I've been so excited to learn and approach the things that my friends are like in, like in my gen ed classes. And my friend Sammy is like, are you insane? Like you actually like writing all these essays? And I'm like, yes, I crave it. I love it so much. So I always loved, I loved school. I always loved to learn. And that was, I mean, I had no work to do over the summer and I was like, boy needs to do something. So I just learned the entire show and what everyone does in it. <laughs> Sounds like something Emily would do, so. <laughs> I was waiting for you to tell, say that. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I own it. <laughs> like that. It's good to be like that. It always keeps your brain moving. Exactly. I, I like feeling dizzy. I like feeling productive. Exactly. It's exactly. Thrilling. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> so now speaking of school, you mentioned you're studying at Pace now. Yes, Pace. I just visited there. <laughs> yeah, I was just there like a couple weeks ago. Really cute area, by the way. I love it. Oh, it's fun. It's financial district is a, it's an experience. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I, I kind of loved it. It was really cute. It's fun. It's fun. Um, yeah, so I've been, Pace was my top school since I was a sophomore in high school. Right after I left Matilda, I left Matilda March of my sophomore year. So literally right after that, I was like, okay, it's college time. Let's go. And I, I was ready and I walked into Pace and I was like, I really want to go here. Cause I love being in Manhattan. I love being, um, in the area. I mean, Manhattan's where I've always wanted to be it's my home. And even though I wanted to move away from Staten Island, I wanted to be in a place where I could go up to my doctors if I needed to. I wanted to be in a place where I could still live my life. I call myself Hannah Montana because A, Hannah Montana is really awesome. And B, 
I kind of lived a double life of going to school during the day and doing a show at night. And Pace was one of the very few schools that allowed me to do that and allowed me to continue being Hannah Montana. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Hannah Montana is awesome, so. Yeah, I mean, they allowed me to, they didn't want to take my, I mean, being a professional actor was a part of my life and I didn't want that part to go away. And that they were really, really great as a whole about me working and doing school at the same time. And even now, like they're being so great. Like once we go back to work and they were just, yeah, it's been great. I mean, college is college. It's, it, it has its ups and downs, but that's the beauty of growing up. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess what's your favorite, what's your favorite part of school? Like what, what about school has been a cool experience for you, especially juggling being professional and being a student at the same time? I think for me, the most, now that I'm like a super senior, because I would have graduated this year, I think that it's really, really great to see that when I was a freshman and even when I was going and auditioning for college, I didn't think that I could sing pop songs. I sang pop songs, but I didn't think I was like, I thought I was breaking a law that I was singing pop songs. And I never thought that I could be a musical theater person who sang pop songs and also wrote music. I thought that it was just against the law that you just had to stick in one lane. But now I've really found a love for writing my own music and I really found a love for pop music as a whole. And I enjoy singing it and it's okay that I sing it and no one's gonna come to my house and scream at me because I'm singing pop music and I'm in a Broadway show they're not gonna yell at me and I'm gonna be okay. So I think that that's a big thing that has, it helped me grow as an artist. And I can, one of my teachers said to me like, it's very cool to see how I've been able to adapt to different environments. I was always very like one lane and set on one goal. And I never would have imagined by junior year that I'd have to leave to be a principal on a Broadway show, which is still mind boggling to say, but it's the truth. I'd never thought that I'd be able to, I never thought in a million years that that would happen. So it's kind of, I kind of um, learned from that experience and my experience at school helped me to grow as an artist. And that's what encouraged me to get Doubtfire and now beyond, hopefully. Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, I totally relate to that. I've always been a musical theater singer my whole life. And just last summer, my voice teacher was like, okay, Jesse, you have to like learn how to sing pop. I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I highly recommend. <laughs> so let's talk about your dropping an EP, you say, at the end of the year, which is wicked cool. So what's, what, are, what inspires your writing? How has this whole process been? Like, let, let's chat about this. I want to know. <laughs> I'm crazy. I started writing music when I was a senior in high school, but I gave up once I went to college because I had no time. And I was just distracted by everything. And then the pandemic hit. And I realized that it was the first time in about 10 years that I actually had nothing to do because I wasn't going to school at the time last March. And I literally had nothing to do but sit in my room and watch TV. And that can only, watching Glee can only get you so far. So I picked up my guitar and I said, we are going to learn how to, how to be okay. We're going to learn how to be okay with just you and your guitar and that's it because there's nobody, there's no accompaniment here to back you up except for yourself. So I started writing and I haven't been able to stop. And that's pretty much how it came to be. I'm coming out with um, a few songs this fall and it'll be, they're pretty much what inspires me is things from my own life, things, people who have influenced me in the past I've done a couple fictional stories, um, stories that have like occurred in a dream of mine that I ended up writing about because I remember the dream. Um, it's, been, it's been quite a journey and I feel like it's definitely helped me to grow 
as a human and as an artist and as a daughter and a cousin and a friend. Yeah. That's amazing. So now going back a little bit, let's talk about, let's talk about Doubtfire. Um, (laughs) What was your audition? What was your audition process like for that? Oh God. Um, I actually went in for another show. I was in the finals for another project and I got the call and I made it to the final five for that. And then the same casting director called me in for Mrs. Doubtfire and I went straight to the creative team and that that's happened before when I was younger, but it hadn't happened in a very long time. And I just said, okay, I'm just going to go in and do my best. I get to audition for Jerry's act, which is really cool. Not everybody gets to say that. Um, and I just went in, I taught myself the music. I didn't rehearse it with anybody. I just taught it to myself and I did my own thing. And I went in there. Jerry was like, I love you. He was like, thank you. But you know, sometimes they say you love you and then they, you mean, I don't take it serious. I take it seriously now because Jerry said it to me, but um, I didn't really take it seriously. I was like, thank you. I don't, you don't know, I didn't really know how to respond. And then I left the room and they told me to wait outside for a few minutes and they, I hear them laughing. I'm like, oh God, what did I do? What, what could I have, I definitely said something wrong, but um, I apparently didn't because the next day at 2 p.m. they called me to tell me that I got the job. <laughs> I had one audition and they called the next day. Yes. One <laughs> audition? Two weeks of callbacks and then one audition. I mean- no. Yeah, I went in for callbacks for that other show a million times. And then this one, I only had one singular audition. That's and amazing. I and amazing. <laughs> that must have been the most surreal experience. I, I was shocked. Shocked is an understatement, honestly. I, I mean, I had been in for, I went on like four auditions that day, like random things. And I thought like my, my manager called me and she was like, okay, I'm adding David to the call. David's my agent. He was like, I'm adding David to the call. I'm like, why is David coming to the call? And then I look up and my mom is recording, but my mom had no idea what the project was. She just knew that I had gotten something, but they wouldn't tell them, my manager wouldn't tell them what it was. So now I'm sitting, I just broke down. If you go on my Instagram story, I have the entire video on there. It's hilarious. And my mom is, <laughs> my mom works at a clothing store and I was there. And I had just gotten a pedicure and my feet are all like tissued up. It's so funny. And I literally just dropped down the floor and just start sobbing. But what a moment. Oh my God. Nothing will ever replace that moment. I was just stunned. Who knew the, I mean, the probability of me getting a callback, I would say was like, I'd be like, okay, if I got a callback, like, cool, I'd get a callback. But if I didn't, like, that's all right. Never thinking, okay, next day, you got it, got the role. Here you go. You're going to be a principal on Broadway in two months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First of all, I'm definitely going to stalk your Instagram and find this video. I literally, as you said, I said to, I messaged Emily, I'm like, we have to find that video. Oh, it's there. And it's you there. said that. I was like, great. <laughs> it's there twice. I have, I have it twice or maybe, no, I have it once because I have it um, for, it was August 29th. I'll never forget it. August 29th, they called and said that I got the role. And I know that because that night I went to go see the Jonas Brothers with my cousins and it was the, the Jonas Full circle again. Best night of my life. I was gonna say that's not a bad day. No, it wasn't, but it was it did turn out into a crazy because I was so high on life that I lost my voice for two weeks. Never do that. Never be high on life at a concert. But it was worth it. It was well worth it. (laughs) But it was so worth it. Oh my god, that's insane. So you get this call and yep. how soon are you going into rehearsals from there? I got the call October, uh, no, August 29th, I got the call. I started rehearsals October 4th, I think. Yes. So how, so how are you sitting in that month in between where you're like- I like, couldn't tell anybody. I told my family, my family all knew, but I had, I had to call my school, but I couldn't tell anybody from school. So- 
it was kind of like, hi, I'm taking a gap year. And they were like, you, you're taking a gap year, like Miss Study Pants, like you're taking a gap year, okay, to do what? I was like, yeah, I'm just, I want to take my time. <laughs> so embarrassed, like I was just so embarrassed for myself because I knew they could tell that I was lying through my teeth and I couldn't say anything. And then, you know, it just, thank God the news came out in October, not so long after we started. It came out, I think the news came out October 7th and we started October 4th. So thank God it was like that first week. I couldn't hold it in anymore with certain people. Cause I, of course I take the bus to go see, to go into rehearsals that whole first week and people would see me and they'd be like, hey, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm going to a voice lesson. I'm going over here. Oh my God, that whole keeping it a secret thing, so hard. It's the hardest thing because people in the industry, like they know, but it's this thing that nobody's talking about, but you're thinking about it when you walk past, like they knew where I was going. But, oh man, it was it was a long waiting process. My love. Yeah, that's, that's always got to be the toughest part. Oh, the, so hard. Oh my God. It's so hard. So now tell us about being able to originate the role. Like, obviously there's the movie, but being able to originate the role on Broadway, what was that like? Nuts, literally nuts. I mean, I get to create an entire role from scratch and that's such a huge responsibility, but I'm so happy that I have the people that I'm working with. I have Jerry who has my back 24 seven. Um, he's taught me everything I know and will continue to teach me everything I will get to know. Um, Rob McClure is a genius. Um, he's there for me all the time and always helps me and he's challenging me. And the fact that I get to sing with that man every night makes me like, makes me want to throw up. Like, I can't believe I get to do that. And yeah, Jen Gambatisse and everybody. Brad Oscar, Jay Harrison G. I mean, these are huge people that I've been dying to work with for years. And I get to work with them and especially starting out the show at just 20 years old. I was 19 when I got the role and then I turned 20 um, when we were in the middle of rehearsals for Seattle. But it was, it was just, I'm so grateful for everyone in the show. They really helped me grow as an artist and I didn't think I was gonna be ready for it. And I, I feel very, very prepared to take on this role and to just bring her to life. I mean, Lydia in the musical is very different from Lydia in the movie. And I've actually been fortunate enough to talk to Lisa who played Lydia in the movie. And the, yeah, she's really awesome. And we are planning to do some things in the future, but it's, yeah, she's awesome. And she told me a bunch of advice that she had for me. And it's really, really cool. I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire was, Mrs. Doubtfire is a show about what we will do for the people that we love. And it's about the lengths that we will go for the people that we love. And Lydia's story is about the relationship between her and father. And which is ironic because my dad showed me this movie when I was little. And every time it's on, my dad would be like, come on, Mrs. Doubtfire's now, let's watch it. the fact that I, it's one of my favorite movies and this was our movie. And the fact that I get to play Lydia and her relationship with her father is kind of the highlight of, and that the core of her show. So it's nice. I get to have that moment with Rob and I get to have that moment and share it with my dad. That's incredible. Yeah. So many things are so full circle in your life and it's so cool. And, like, yeah. Everything feels like such like, a perfect moment. <laughs> like. All of these have such perfect moments. I love it. Thank you. So I guess like what, what's your creative process like? Like when you got that script, I mean, how, how are you approaching this in your headspace? Oh man, uh, you know, I was just going into it very open-minded. There's preconceived notions, obviously, because the role has been done before. I'm originating a role, but the role was in the movie what's different between my Lydia and the movies Lydia, they're both based in two different time periods. We're placing our show in present day. Lydia has a cell phone. Lydia has a laptop. Lydia has social media. Um, Lydia did not have any of those things in the nineties. Very different world. Lydia 
my Lydia, I'd say she listens to um, Avril Lavigne 90% of the time. She's a grunge queen. She loves early 2000s music. She feels like she lives in the wrong time. She has to be very mature for her age because her dad is not doing a very good job. And she feels like she has to step it up because her parents are arguing. And the one thing, the one constant that is there to help her out is Mrs. Doubtfire. And Mrs. Doubtfire is there to save the day. <laughs> help is on the way. Mrs. Doubtfire is there to save the day. And it's true because Lydia's world is crashing and she feels like the only thing that she needs, her only job is to protect her siblings. And that's what, and I don't have siblings, but I will do anything for my family. I will literally anything for my family, for my cousins, for my parents, for my grandparents, everyone. And when I was approaching this role, I thought about them. What would I do to protect them? What would I do to make sure that they were okay and that they were safe? And that if I was going into this situation and my parents were getting a divorce and they were fighting and they couldn't even standing in the same room with each other, how do I make this better for my, for my cousins? How do I make this better? How do I make it better for me? She puts them in front of herself all the time and eventually she cracks. And she tells her dad, that's enough. You can't do this anymore. You have to let this character go. You have to let this character go because you're just going to keep letting us slip away and we're going to be spending more time with Mrs. Doubtfire than with you. And that's when I approached her. That's incredible. I like the specificity as well is just really remarkable you can tell you've done, you've done your homework <laughs> all jerry's acts <laughs> i have nothing no i have i have a lot to do with it as well but jerry's really from when i started with this role versus what it was during the pandemic like i wish that we didn't have the stupid pandemic because we were working so hard and like we were really trying to create her but now I'm excited because we kind of get to start from scratch in this new light now that I'm older now that we're all older and I think I not I think I know that there are going to be a lot of changes so I'm excited to see what they've been working on this entire time because our show wasn't frozen we have lots to do I'm excited that's amazing I was just about to say you know we're coming up on October reopening for you guys Thank God. Jessica and I are Emily like, and I, Emily and I will be seeing you in that. <laughs> for sure. You have to let me know when you're coming. Oh, 1000%. Um, but we actually do, Jesse, we need to get our seats. <laughs> um, but what are you kind of looking forward to and what is nerve wracking about coming back to Broadway after this hiatus? You know, I'm looking forward to obviously seeing my cast and my crew like oh my god everybody just seeing everybody all together in one room um i am a little bit anxious about we um we lost a cast member this year during montalvo uh she played janet lundy we i'm a little bit anxious of the thought of going into that room when we do go into that room we're not all going to be there because we know that she's going to be missing but she will be there with us in spirit and she will be with us always um but it's going to be hard. I know this is going to be hard for all of us to even think about doing the show without her, but whoever comes and takes her place for the role will never take the place of Doreen. Um, I'm sure we will love her um, just as much as we love Doreen and she will be a part of it. We will welcome her into our family because our family really, and this whole team has just become a part of my family, especially during this pandemic. But even before, they were always, they had my back 24 seven. If I ever needed them, I'd call them up and they'd be right here in five minutes. Everybody from Kevin McCollum, our producer, to the people who worked on props. Like I'm not even kidding, it's crazy. Um, yeah, that's what I'm really looking forward to. And I cannot wait to hear that audience for the first time 
just the thought of when the curtain rises and they're doing pizza roll and the whole and like the curtain rises, like pizza roll is our first number. And I'm not in it, but Rob, like that, that when they, when the curtain rises and Rob is just standing there and he's like, renaissance outfit and I just hear I love hearing that crowd and also my family is coming first preview and I can't wait for them to see the show again they came the first preview the last time which is also a video you could see on my Instagram when my family's just like screaming um yeah there were a lot there were like 35 the last time now we're up to 46 and counting coming up on first preview which is amazing my family is the best but yeah <laughs> That's amazing. And then Emily and I will be there. So it'll be, do you say four yes. six? So it'll be yeah, 48. <laughs> so I guess just to wrap up, if you could give any piece of advice to your past self, what would it be? Oh, to my past self? Um, I'm going to keep saying this to myself forever and ever. Amen. But it's okay to just not be okay. It's okay to have your moments. It is okay to grieve. It is okay to cry. And it's okay to be unsure. This whole pandemic has taught me so many lessons. And I'm my worst critic. And I'm so unsure of myself all the time. And I feel that that is okay. That's all part of growing up. Nothing's perfect. Nothing will ever be perfect. But as long as we know that we did our best, and we were our truest self at all times. That's all that matters. That is a great one. Jesse and I are going to self-proclaim ourselves as your little sisters now. Congrats. Yes. <laughs> I I truly give you so much credit. You are you. inspirational and your outlook is incredible. And me. Agreed. We may not don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I try to say that to myself and it's tricky, but you know. <laughs> Annalise, you're incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. It was so cool to finally get to talk to you and get to know you. And seriously, like you're such an inspiration and we can't wait Thanks. to see you on Broadway in a few months. Yes! <laughs> but thank Great. you so much for coming on. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And to connect with Annalise on Instagram, follow at Annalise.Scarpacci where you can keep up to date on her latest projects. Grab your tickets to Doubtfire at mrsdoubtfirebroadway.com and be sure to follow Theatrical Thoughts at Theatrical Thoughts Podcast on Instagram as well. I'm so excited that we finally get to do Broadway ticket plugs. <laughs> this is oh my God. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.